Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything, weather, science, and a whole lot more. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode number 293 for Monday, February 7th, 2022. Well, here we are on a bright Monday, and temperatures are recovering a little bit, so there's a little melting going on in the Ohio Valley, and it's an encouraging week. I say that because now we're looking forward for the next 7 to almost 10 days, and potentially we have a situation which will be very quiet compared to the last three or so weeks. Now, on Friday of last week, February the 4th, we peaked with the total percentage of the lower 48 that was snow-covered. That was just under 51%, round up to 51% if you'd like, 50.7% if you would like a little more precision. So what is it today? Believe it or not, it has dropped off quite a bit, all the way down to 38 So a lot of the areas, especially primarily the southern United States, which picked up so much snow over the last system, which spanned a huge distance, basically from Texas all the way up into Maine. And that's what pushed us over the edge and gave us our peak of 51% of the country. Well, a lot of that has essentially yielded to the warm summer sunshine of the Deep South, primarily Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and even parts of Kentucky and Tennessee. And now there's still plenty of snowpack across the northern United States right now, and that spans from Oklahoma all the way up to northern New England, and obviously some of the higher terrain of the Rockies and the Pacific Northwest. And thus, we hold at the 38.6%. But the overall pattern continues to be cold. And with that, increasing amounts of Lake Erie ice, which right now is above 90%. But there were some really interesting changes that occurred on Lake Erie over the weekend. Which brings me to an interesting email that I received over the weekend at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. John Blauier said that he was by the Geneva Lakeshore and snapped two photos, one right after the other, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. He writes the following. We were at Geneva on the lake over the weekend, and on Saturday, Lake Erie looked completely frozen. But 
Then on Sunday morning, it was thawed. How does that happen when the overnight temperature was 15 degrees? We took pictures, but we were just amazed how that would happen, and it would be awesome if you could explain it. Well, John, fortunately, we do have an explanation, and it's uh, actually pretty easy once you understand the dynamics of what is happening. Now, for those of you who would like to see the photographs that John sent to me, I have reposted them on episode number 293 at weatherjazz.com. Go check it out. They are properly labeled Saturday, and you can see the lake looks totally frozen. Yet, on Sunday, there is open water just beyond the shoreline, and a lot of it. All right, here we go. In order to properly set the table for the answer for this one, let's remind ourselves of some of the dynamics of ice. Ice, as you know, floats on the top of water because ice is less dense than liquid water. It's one of the unusual properties of water because typically as any substance gets colder and colder, it gets more dense. But the most dense because of the dynamic properties of of the water molecule, water is most dense at about 36 or 37 degrees Fahrenheit. So as the water cools, it becomes less dense. And when it freezes to ice, because it's less dense than liquid water, it is going to float. So with that floating ice, remember there's plenty of liquid water underneath. That's the first dynamic. But That really doesn't explain why suddenly there's a lot of open water until and unless you look at the wind field. You see, the winds can actually push around blocks of ice. And so after Saturday was done, on Sunday, a very stiff south wind developed and it started putting pressure on the ice at the surface of Lake Erie. So the ice literally broke away and was pushed out into the middle of the lake. Now it wasn't totally open, but it was certainly open for almost as far as the eye could see. And you can see that happening when you take a look at the animation that I have placed thanks to the Gray Lakes Environmental Research Laboratory. And they keep track, one of the many things that they keep track of would be Lake Erie ice and all of the Great Lakes ice for that matter. You'll see an animation on weatherjazz.com just below those two pictures, essentially what has happened over the last three or four days. You'll notice that there's plenty of ice right up against the shoreline in Geneva on the lake where this particular image was taken. Now, when the south wind started to pick up and put a lot of force on that surface layer of ice, it literally pushed the ice, the shoreline ice, broke it away from the shoreline and pushed it. And because the wind was relatively strong, it opened up a pretty decent gap of wide open water. And you will see in that animation suddenly that that is taking shape. And this is about three, three and a half days or so. It starts on Friday And it ends on Sunday afternoon, and you'll see that water right up against the south side of Lake Erie suddenly open up. 
So I hope that explains why suddenly you saw open water when the temperature was still well below freezing. It had to do with the fact that there was still plenty of uh, room for the, the ice to get moved by the wind, kind of bunched up, if you will. And AJ showed that, actually, on the visible satellite on his Instagram account over the weekend. So if you're an Instagram follower of AJ, you will see just exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the Lake Erie ice actually moving and getting kind of shimmied, pushed around with any kind of strong wind, whether it be a strong south wind, north wind, east wind, west wind, doesn't matter Whichever way the wind is blowing is the direction that the ice will get pushed if there's any room for that ice to get pushed. I hope that makes sense, John, and thank you for the great question. And do remember that if you, too, have a question, maybe you're puzzled by something you saw, maybe you even snapped a photo Make sure that you send me your question, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, or you can call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line at 234-525-5888. So we'll take a short break here. When we come back, some other interesting things about Lake Erie ice. Like, how often do we see it go above 90%? What do you think? We'll have the answer to that and a few more other interesting tidbits on ice coming up at the break. Lake Erie ice. It happens virtually every year to some degree, pun intended, because this year, boy, did we run behind it. We were actually almost 0% ice coverage even into the first couple of days of January of 2022. Remember that we had a very mild December. Not only was it mild, but it was near snowless. It was the second least snowy December on record, with the least snowy being no snowfall whatsoever, and that was in the early 1900s. Just goes to show you that these records are very evenly distributed. Well, at any rate, December was certainly very mild. And so it's no surprise that Lake Erie certainly wasn't going to be very conducive to producing ice, even at the shoreline. However, that began to change. You see, the very cold air that we expected in December for our winter weather outlook was actually delayed by about 30 days for a number of reasons that Scott Sable and I spoke about in a previous episode of Weather Jazz. But if you look at the graph that I have posted, it shows the average amount of ice that forms on Lake Erie through any particular winter season. Along with the plot, you'll see what looks like a very light purple spaghetti plot of ice on Lake Erie at various years. And of course, it's averaged out with that red line. The average goes up to about 70% at its peak and then starts to drop off. And by the time it gets to late April or early May, generally, there is no more ice on the lake. Well, we had a very, very late start to the development of the ice on Lake Erie. But you'll see something interesting. 
and that's the black line. The black line is this year's plot. And very, very quickly, as the air grew extremely cold and stayed cold, that line just jumped up and met the average line sometime right around the 20th of January. And ever since then, it has been bouncing up way above normal. And you'll see that shaded area in the graph. Now, because we are in a cold pattern, we're very likely to maintain that posture above normal for at least the next couple of weeks, although it's not nearly as cold as it has been. But it is still a definitively cool-to-cold pattern. So in all probability, we'll stay above that red line until we see a pattern shift. And the very earliest that that could occur would be in the back half of February after Valentine's Day. And so that begs the next question. How often does Lake Erie get 90% or more covered with ice or even 80% or more covered with ice? And you would think that it doesn't happen very often. After all, the last couple of years, handful of years, we've had a number of them whose maximum amount of ice stayed under 20%. For instance, in the season 2019 to 2020, on February the 29th of 2020, we had a maximum of 15.9% of the lake covered. Well, not really, because if you look at that first graph on weatherjazz.com, episode number 293, you will see the red line with the average max at about 70%. And so when we look at the annual maximum ice cover on Lake Erie plotted out over time from the mid-19, actually the early 1970s is when they started keeping track of that. You will quickly see that most of the maximums on most of the years actually falls between 80 and 100%. Only a handful of years. I'm going to count them on the graph. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Only eight winters since the early 1970s have had 40% or less at its maximum amount. So that would be unusual. One more bit of trivia. Lake Erie freezes the fastest out of all of the Great Lakes, even though it is the one farthest south in latitude. And the reason for that is quite simple. Lake Erie is the shallowest. And because it is the shallowest, it can cool the most quickly. Whereas some of the super deep lakes like Lake Superior and Lake Ontario don't freeze all that much, even in the coldest of winters, because they are so deep, it would take much longer time period for the lake in its entirety to begin to freeze over. Lake Erie and ice. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please help me to spread the word, especially someone who might be interested in Lake Erie and ice and all things winter. This certainly sheds some light on why we see the things that we see here along the Lake Erie shoreline. Once again, I'll remind you that if you have a question or a topic suggestion, or you just like to drop me a line to say hello, I welcome your input anytime. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And you can also leave me a voicemail 
via the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That number is 234-525-5888. And if you need that information again, just go to weatherjazz.com and click on the Contacts tab at the very top, and that information will be available right at your fingertips. Well, coming up on Wednesday, I've got something kind of special. I spoke with somebody from my distant past. Doesn't seem like it, but it was distant past when you consider that I was in college in the late 1970s and early 80s. So I spoke for the first time since I graduated in 1981 to a college classmate of mine. His name is John Talbot. And as a meteorologist, he led a very interesting life, which is not really the topic we will broach on Wednesday, but eventually he will be telling his story. You see, John was a hurricane hunter with the Air Force for many decades, and we will certainly have John back to talk about some of the really wild hurricane hunting stories that he has, especially as we begin to approach the hurricane season. But what I spoke to John about is really a precursor of our special series on heavenly objects. You see, beginning on Wednesday of next week, I'll be taking a detailed look at some of the objects in our own solar system, beginning with the planet Mercury. That's all starting next Wednesday, February the 16th, right here on Weather Jazz. So what does that have to do with my Hurricane Hunter college classmate friend? Well, actually, a whole lot. And I'm going to keep you in suspense. Make sure that you join me this Wednesday for that episode right here on Weather Jazz. We'll talk to you then. Weather and science across the globe. Weather Jazz Podcast.